Welcome to Movies Are Dead. All right, we are back. Episode three. As always, I'm Nick, your co-host with Boris. All right, cool. see, that's Boris. Yeah. All right, today's episode, we're going to be talking about Lover's Rock, directed by Steve McQueen. Not the old white guy, Steve McQueen. He is gone, passed away, 1980. We're talking about Steve McQueen, the auteur, the artist. All right, you may know his films, uh, <clears throat> Shame, Hunger, Hunger, 12 Years a Slave, and my personal favorite, Widows. Widows. Love me some Widows, man. Yeah? Yeah, I love that movie. It's a great, great bunch of gals. It is. One off a heist. But it's not, like, overplayed, and mm-hmm. it's not, like, shoved in your face, like... Look, I love Ocean's 8. Don't get me wrong. Okay, I love Ocean's 8. Mm-hmm. But if I were to choose between the two, I'm going to choose Widows because Widows is awesome. Yeah. You know, a lot more dramatic. I love that opening scene, you know. Shoot out and everything. You think they're all dead. You think they're all dead. Spoiler alert. Spoiler, spoiler. Always spoiler things here. But anyway, like, Steve McQueen, though, over the years, particularly the last 10 years, his movies have just... I don't know how, like, the progression of them, you could see them, you know. And I think 12 Years a Slave, everybody knows <clears throat> that one won Best Picture, rightfully so. Um, I feel that movie, it's, it, like, commercially, it's his best film. Uh, for my money, I think his, his strengths are really shown in shame and hunger. But Lover's Rock, though, a part of the Small Axe series, uh, which can be found on Amazon, um... The, these episodes, I guess they'd be called episodes. Um, I mean, I would actually call them separate movies. Just yeah. They're in a series. So yeah, series. linked. Yeah. Yeah. So what'd you think of uh, Lover's Rock? I love it. This is a perfect movie. <laughs> it's a perfect yeah, movie. Again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hesitated. But I know, okay. a little bit. <laughs> There's a little bit of hesitation. It is a great movie, yeah. No, I mean, it's just people, when they think of a movie, they want their plot, they want their arcs. They want all that yes, stuff. Yes, yes, yes. And yeah, you know, know, sometimes they just want to watch people dance. Dude, I know. This movie, okay, if you guys have not seen it, go check it out. There's going to be spoilers because we always do spoilers here. We don't care. Watch the movie, okay? But Lover's Rock has moments of pretty much like silence but with music. It's like mm-hmm. one long music video. Yes. And where people are just dancing and going with the flow of a night at a party, you know? So what'd you think of uh, how he directed it? What'd you think about the story? How do you, uh, you know, what'd well, you The like? story's bare, mm-hmm. sort of. Well, first of the camera work is, um, it's pretty great. It's hard to describe. It's mostly handheld, if not all handheld. Mm-hmm. And the camera never really stops moving. Mm-hmm. I noticed it's either like small pans or it tilts up or tilts down. Mm-hmm. It never really stays on one thing for too long, mm-hmm. which really adds to the quick pace the movie is only like 71 minutes long it feels even shorter mm-hmm. by the time the party ends in the movie you feel like you didn't want it to end you feel like you mm-hmm. want to stay there for a while. yeah you kind of want the night just to keep going and going and there's like a series of arcs to the story not like one grandiose arc but mm-hmm. you know it starts off with you know, the opening shot is them getting the equipment out of the van just that initial setup of like this is the equipment we're going to use. You know, there's no Bluetooth speakers. There's no iPhones. You know, this is uh, set in the year... 1980. Sometime, 1980, mm-hmm. yes. So we're at the height of pretty much like reggae, dancehall music um, in England, you know, 
and um, the equipment used to project the sound in the movie, <clears throat> the speakers, the amplifiers, the echo machines, uh, the microphones, Steve McQueen really shows like the gear. So if you're into like audio equipment, this is uh, this is up your alley. You know, I really enjoyed seeing like them staying true to like the sound, how many speakers they have in the room, the subwoofers, right? Like if you ever been to a quinceanera. <laughs> yes. It's a similar quinceanera. audio setup. <laughs> Dude, it is. It is. You can it feel is. the music in your chest. And you can feel the music in your chest. People are dancing, have a good time. There's an MC, right? Yeah. And in this movie, there is an MC at the helm of the, you know, uh, the music playing and everything. And they come up on the mic, you know, throughout the film and, you know, at, throughout the party. And you can tell, like, every single record placed on the player, it means something to these people. It's not right. like nowadays where there's a playlist and he's just like, oh, let's just go through and select, you know, Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. <laughs> Let me go down. We're going to find, oh, yeah, we're going to... This song's really popular by Drake right now. Let's just throw this on. This, these are like handcrafted, handpicked records from a crate, which I really enjoy. Yeah, and most notably, um, Silly Games, Shannon K. Yeah. Kung Fu Fighter. I love, dude, Silly Games. Yeah. It's a Great. big part of the movie. It's a big, pivotal scene. Mm -hmm. um, it just captures a, a, a crowd of people dancing and singing along, which is something that I miss. There's nothing... There's not a lot of songs anymore that you can sort of like dance and sing to and you know every word. songs feel personal to these people. They do, yeah. And even in the first scene, you see a group of women making food in the kitchen. Yeah. And they're already yeah. singing silly games, acapella. That's true, yeah. When they're making the food, it's part of those montage of scenes in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. and it's just, um, there's an intrinsic connection between the people and the music. Also the food. And the food. And the, the, food, the yeah. zoom-ins, you know, you can feel it. You're like, oh, I can smell the food through the TV screen. This is awesome. The setup, you know? Right. It's something that goes beyond something that's just social and something that's cultural. Yeah. Historical. Yeah. I almost felt left out. I don't know if you felt that way. I don't know. We're, so? we're both Hispanic. We're both Mexican. So there is some version to the story that we identify with. Mm. Just through different things. You mentioned the quinceanera. But um, I just kind of felt like, like as an outsider watching in, I kind of felt a little left out going like, oh man, this is a world that I have no idea, you know, about the food. I mean, I know very little about reggae music, but I almost felt like I was, Steve McQueen did a great job of doing like a, like you're almost outside of the party and you could see it happening. It's not like a movie. It's like you're there, but you're left out. You're just standing yeah. without putting your two cents in. I don't know how to describe it. It feels, it does feel like that in a mm -hmm. way, but it also feels like you get the chance to be intimately involved in something that you've never really been a part of. Right, yeah, that's true, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like the camera's almost documentary style. You, yeah, handheld, yeah. That's the approach, mostly, the handheld, focusing on little details, going around. Um, something, it's a, it's a movie where the camera really focuses on the physical, on the way certain people dance, on the way certain hand, like a uh, man's hand moves down the waist of his girlfriend or something, 
the way the yeah. wall is sweating. Eyes. Yeah, eyes. Yeah. Small gestures. It's very much a movie where the story is told yeah. through body language. Once again, though, that, I think that's just something Steve McQueen likes to do. Mm. He Everything he does, like, when he's directing the scene, you could feel it in the actor's body. He's like... So, like, you know I mean, like, hunger, you know, shame, specifically in shame when you see Michael Fassbender, um, like, moving through the city, the way he moves through the, like, moves through the city with his body, that, uh, that great, that great scene where he goes to that, um, brothel and has a threesome with those two women and the camera movements and the way they touch each other, I don't know, like, his movies are very physical, you yes, know, like, definitely. like, especially in, like, Father's uh, Slave too, you know, um, there is some sort of like physicality to it. You can feel like the bare bones of the actors. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, they're very, um, it's very sensual. Sensual. You get a sense. <laughs> you get a sense of the sensual. The sensual yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, what yeah. I mean by that is just um, he's very focused on the sights, the sounds, the way it feels. Like, as much as film can make you feel something physically, he yeah. gets you as close as possible. It's the closest thing to VR, I think, in terms of reality. It felt like, yeah, it felt like I was like, if this was a VR experience, this would be in my top five picks. Like, I would go here all the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's really too bad that you couldn't see this movie in a movie theater. I know. The music can be loud when you have a big screen to watch it on. People to view it with. Yeah, nothing to distract you. Yeah. It's too bad that it's on, just sort of like went straight to TV. I understand why Steve McQueen did that. So, yeah more people can watch it but at the yeah. same time it's something that needs to be seen on the big screen it should be seen on the big screen to be loud in a dark room specifically yeah. sort of like a concert movie sort of it is like a concert movie yeah. I didn't think about that yeah no it is like a concert movie because you're moving through the music with the characters and you're feeling all their emotions and like I don't know even the, even the kung fu fighting scene like mm-hmm. I just felt like that scene you go from something serious and then it's just like into that and it's just like everybody's having a good time and the way everybody like it takes you back to that moment like i guess every like decade or every now and then has those moments where like a dance move or like a specific song takes hold of people mm-hmm. like mind control and you could go back to that time and you could be like oh i guess this is when kung fu fighting was like taking off you know <laughs> like the way people reacted the excitement on their faces you know, them getting ready to dance, and it's just refreshing to see the joy on people's faces, you know, especially now with yeah. the pandemic, you know. Yeah, pandemic. You can't even do that. It's weird to see people, people in a crowded are, room yeah. doing that. It's so I weird. I guess for us, yeah, some people are still doing it, though. You think so? Yeah, oh, definitely. yeah, definitely. Oh, TikTok yeah, houses definitely. at this point. Yeah, the TikTok houses. <laughs> right? <laughs> Boris told me about TikTok houses the other day, and it's burned in my brain, and I feel a little disturbed now thinking that this is reality. TikTok houses are real. Jeez. Well, what's our YouTube house? <laughs> YouTube the YouTube house. house. The, YouTube, the YouTube film critic house. Uh, it would just be a bunch of bitter yeah, film critics bitter. going like, oh, you know, I, I've had great better ideas than this. It's just a movie about <laughs> dancing. Uh, you know. Vitamin D deficient. Vitamin D deficient. Yeah, pale. Like, yeah, exactly. Anyway. They hate Whitney Cummings for some reason, and I'm like, she's great. And they're like, we hate her. I'm like, okay. I'm like, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry for that tangent, everybody. Oh, we got a Whitney Cummings defender here. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. But no, so let's get back to Lovers Rock. Uh, okay. Lovers Rock. Okay. I would say my favorite part of this movie 
and it's just a small thing, but seeing the like the low key racism mm -hmm. between the Jamaicans and like the white Brits, like that, just see and Steve McQueen does it in very subtle ways. He does it with looks. Yeah. So in the beginning, when they when these guys are unloading the van to get the speaker equipment into the house, he just focuses on a group of young Brits. Hooligans, I guess you could call them. I don't know. I'm not too sure. Probably but not. They're just random. They're just random. Yes, yeah, random neighborhood kids. The way they stare mm -hmm. at like the Jamaicans, just like everything. It's just so very like you could feel their hate, their disdain, mm -hmm. and automatically you're just like, oh, these these people don't like these people, and like there's some low key racism going on here. Yeah, and then later there's a scene where Martha. Chasing her friend down mm -hmm. the street mm -hmm. after she left the party, and it becomes very overt the racism. Oh, yeah. It's a bunch of guys just staying outside their house or something. Yeah. And they start being very racist to Martha. And yeah, she, cat calling. Yeah. Very she uh, backs away. away. Yeah, backs she has away to. Smartly, yeah. Because the whole time they just look like they look bitter, they look resentful, they look jealous. Bitter, resentful, jealous, yeah. Hateful, obviously. Hateful, yeah, definitely. Like, any time. They're just looking for a fight. They're just looking for some sort of reason to destroy. Yeah, and they because they know that they would get away with it too. Like if anything happened, they could just mm -hmm. bullshit around and get away with it. Yeah, and um, it's almost like the the party is almost like in this bubble, mm -hmm. and like that bubble exists in a zone or city that's sort of like against them in some way. I don't know how to describe it in some sort of low-key way. It's sort of like pushing against them. But they're having a good time in the house and they're forgetting the outside world, which yeah. is like, the point of a party, right? Well, yeah, it's a safe space for them. It's one of the few places they can gather and have fun and be themselves. Yeah. Find some sort of peace. Let go. Of a world that's constantly... Specifically, like, Martha's, like, her um, background in religion. Yeah, definitely. The background, the pressure of God, you know? Yeah, uh, Martha, the main, what could be called the main character is... I would say, yeah. Yeah, she, um, she seems to be sort of have this guilt about her <laughs> going to these parties. And, um, there is guilt, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely like, guilt. The way she leaves her house? Yeah. Climbing yeah. down, no shoes, and then like halfway down the street, she's like, I'll put on my shoes now. Yeah. You know? And... Um, she sees it when she's riding the bus. She sees, a, she sees a man carrying a cross. That's right. And that makes her feel very guilty because, like, yeah. oh, my mother. It's always there in the back yeah. of her brain. Yeah. We could tell from what she says a few of the instances in the movie that her mother is very much more religious than she is. Yeah. And she doesn't feel that much of an attraction to it. The male cousin, remember? I don't yeah. Know if it's her cousin. It's her cousin. It's her other cousin. I, yeah. forgot, I forgot the character's name. It's a guy. He wears a red beanie. Mm. And he lost his mom, right? Mm -hmm. And... He's there and he's pretty much takes the party by storm in some way. Once yeah. he enters the house, the he's party switches. Yeah. You know, that sort of, I guess, would be like, I don't even know what that would be. What kind of character that would be? It would be the guy who shakes things up. Usually you find those characters in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Within the first 20 minutes, they come in, they shake the party up, and then we do something else. But Steve McQueen saves it for the back half of the movie. Yeah, he you know? turns it very intense. Like his character, people at the party who are there, they're, uh, I guess you'd call a much more relaxed mood. Yeah. 
and then he sure sort of shows up and starts dancing. He has this like wild, passionate, wild, yeah, he's almost yeah. style dancing. It's like and people he was, are, yeah, he was dancing punk rock at like a dance hall. <laughs> it was, yeah, it he was, was sort of like strange. moshing almost. He was moshing almost. Yeah, he was just like yeah, just free freewheeling it. Yeah. Yeah. Just like feeling something in his. Yeah, they even give him like a hit of a joint. They're like, "Hey, dude, you gotta take this because you're starting to scare me, bro." Yeah, but like they don't know him. They don't know what he's gonna do. Yeah, they like, don't. He yeah, just showed up. Loose cannon. And they're like, "Is this guy dangerous?" Is yeah, kind of reminds me of you. That was you. Yeah, yeah you reminded me. So. <laughs> that was you. You're like I don't think ready that's to. Me. I think that'd be you in a TikTok house. You just be able to start dancing. Not, I'm not pretty enough. <laughs> oh, stop! For a stop! TikTok house. Stop! You love all the pretty people, especially Boris here. Yeah. No, yeah, so once he enters the house, it changes, and, you know, and the music starts to get crazier, and mm-hmm. there's that scene where they're all just letting go and dancing and dancing. I forgot to what song specifically. It's called the Kunta Kinte dub by the Revolutionaries. Oh, okay, that's it. Yeah, I think that's it, right? Yeah. 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 It's a pretty great song. It is a great song, yeah. yeah. It's at the piano. Doom, doom. The bass. Oh, bass yeah. Great. Yeah, that piano's so good. It's, like, put through, like, an echo, and it's just, like... I don't know. Yeah, the song is just full of great music. I don't, oh, not, it is like, not one music. song that I don't like. Yeah. It's a whole movie. And that's a big part of it, is the way that these characters uh, use music mm-hmm. to be able to release something, express something, something emotional to keep pent up during the week, something that they're feeling anger, sadness, yeah. joy. This is finally the opportunity they have to. Very, it's a very it. working class film. Definitely, yeah. There's something, there's something that makes me think about, like, just, like, the low, lower class of, like, England, you know, finally get, being able to get away from, like, the work week, get away from your family, the subtle right. racism that you always have to face, and it's just, Not like... Not so subtle, and just, like, all, yeah. all the expectations. All the movies in Small Acts, which is what the series is called, yeah. are sort of about that. Yeah. They're sort of a conflict with the self. With the expectation society and yeah. your family and your culture has on you, yeah. and uh, also like a specific time in England too. It's definitely what is it from like '68 to like yeah, like late '60s to yeah, right. Exactly. So specifically this one, 1980. I mean, I don't know that much about England, but from what I've seen in the movies, wasn't it uh, Thatcher? <laughs> Thatcher, yeah, yeah right. They're Reagan, I believe. Yeah, you know, that's when the world was getting a little conservative, you know. So yeah, even more, yeah, right. So it, it was just like, no, it's cool to see Steve McQueen like do an English movie because I've never seen him do an English movie, even though he's from England. Like, right. All of his movies. Like Hunger was very Irish. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So like all of his movies have just been like, particularly the last three American movies, you know? And mm-hmm. It's just cool to see him go and do a film about like England. Right. A lot of people think he's a cold filmmaker, which I don't agree with. No. Right? I don't think so. No. no I don't, not at all. Like, they see Hunger. Hunger sh- is a pretty messed up movie, though. But I don't think it's cold. Like, they see no, Hunger or Shame, and they not. see, like, sort of a detached POV in terms of how, how, like, how the camera is used, some yeah. of the colors and cinematography. Um, it's but, a colder movie. Yeah, Hunger is a very grays and yeah. blues. Yeah. But I mean, like, Shame, maybe it's a bad character who tries to, I don't know, like not even like fight a part of himself, but sort of, sort of seems like he's a constant battle of a part of himself. That he doesn't want to fully acknowledge. And yeah, I don't even think I don't even think Shame could be made into a movie nowadays, hmm. which is a little strange. To really, say. it would be a TV show. Maybe it'd be a TV show, and 
they probably get canceled, <laughs> like literally on social yeah. media, because just you just can't do movies like that nowadays. Even though I think his movies are very therapeutic, all mm-hmm. of the characters in the movie, like when you look at them, like each main character in his movies are going through like a like an inner destruction and also rebirth at the same time. Like when you look at Viola Davis and Widow, she's like mm-hmm. confronting the death of her husband. Spoiler alert. Watch it anyway. Great movie. The death of her husband. But even though it's a crime drama movie, mm-hmm. it's still about her reckoning with her husband's death and like taking over the role of being of what a man is supposed to be in American society. I don't know. So if you guys haven't seen Babylon from 1980 by Franco Russo, I believe, check it out. A lot of similarities between Babylon and Lover's Rock. You know, um, Babylon is pretty much like a movie about a young Jamaican man named Blue. And it's about his adventures in the dance hall community, but also dealing with the uh, social constru- like social structure of England's racism toward the Jamaican, um, Jamaican working class. And Jamaican on the West yeah. population. Yeah. yeah. So check that movie out if you guys haven't seen it. It's a really, it's kind of like, it reminds me of like Menace to Society, but the English Jamaican dance hall sure. dub version. It really reminded me of a Fatalini movie, Igita Loni. Oh yeah, it's that's right. Guys it's, hanging, a bunch, yeah. it's a bunch of guys. It's a bunch of guys Dude, that movie, okay, so Federico's, that's like, was that his first or second movie? What is that? It's that's like, like his early third or fourth third. movie. That movie is so like ahead of its time. It's not even funny. That movie, it's, it's like... Man, I can't even think how to describe it. It's like it's almost like Diner, right? By Barry Levinson. I've yeah, seen yeah. that one. Check out Diner, by the way. Great movie. Mickey Rourke killing it. Okay, but um, it's almost like Diner, but it's like the Italian version, and they're like talking about problems that like modern men have. They're like, oh, I'm gonna sleep with this woman tonight. You know, I don't know if I'm happy. But you know, stuff like that. You know? Yeah, the it's a, it's a subgenre. I don't know what it's called for sure. That's remind me of like Rocco and his brothers. Yeah. Just a bunch of guys going through some problems. Yeah, shit. Yeah. How do you get through that? Yeah. The way society is so determined on destroying it. And it's almost like Lover's Rock, too. Lover's Rock, it's the same Mm -hmm. thing, but except it's a female cast. Pretty much like restless young women trying to shed the skin of like a life they don't want. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, it just seems like society is bent on not letting us be who we want to be. Yeah. It's something else that's uh, more catering to the capitalist system we have. And it's always been that way now. Yeah, for sure. Like, you you can tell, like, from the dawn of cinema, and people have been making movies about this, about the constant conflict with what we want to be, and the future society and our culture, and the people around us let us be. That is true, yeah. Specifically with Martha, I keep thinking about her character, her struggles and stuff. Well, the guy getting off the bus with the cross. Yeah. I like that, like, little, like, just thrown in there. You know, Steve McQueen is always letting them know. Amen. God's judging. God's on the way. Or the one that we commonly hear is God's on the way to destroy us, you know? So it was just cool to see that, like, spread out through the film, you know? Yeah, I mean, also, it makes sense. It's not like. A purely symbolic touch. Yeah. It makes sense that the guy takes the bus and he takes his cross with him, and then yeah. the next day Sunday, and Martha has to go to church. Oh yeah, she I probably knows it. Ends, yeah. She probably knows the guy. Probably, yeah, yeah. I love the way it ends, though. You know, spoiler mm-hmm. alert. She goes back in into the house with a big smile on her face too. Yeah, 
you know, thinking like I finally found love. Just that I really yeah. like what's like Steve McQueen really. And that's why when you brought up he's a, he's a cold filmmaker, and I disagree and I agree with you too. Like he's not a cold filmmaker. There's so much hope in his like movies, mm. particularly in Lovers Rock. This one though, he, you could feel the hope of like, oh my god, I'm in love, which is the best feeling on earth, yeah. in my opinion. Just her going to laying down, even if it's for two seconds in her bed, mm. she's like, I think I found a man I love, and it's just that hope. You gotta have that hope, right? right. It's that that's all one life. The first time you fall in love, you have that hope. <laughs> You think it's that thing you see in the movies. You maybe you find out that's not true later. Maybe maybe yeah. it is true for some people. I don't know. Yeah. But it is a very hopeful note to end that movie on. Yeah, very hopeful. If you really want a movie, a good movie to look at, and if you're studying cinematography, check out this movie. Yeah. The party scenes are so well lit. I'm starting to think like, are movies just being like, like the look of the movies, I think we've gone over this before, there's like the Netflix machine of the cinematography where it's like, oh, this is just a Netflix put out product, you know what I mean? Yeah, it just looks too clean. It looks too clean. But then I look at some other movies, particularly like this one, mm-hmm. and I go, and I start to find a little hope. I'm like, oh man, this is, this is so well lit. But then again, Steve McQueen's movies are always beautiful. Yeah, I mean, know? it's just, it's, it's who Director. you're making movies with. Yeah. It's who your collaborators are. Yeah. And um, I don't know if, if Netflix or like streaming services have like a style guide that they have to adhere to. <laughs> Probably, you, you, you can't I can't go darker yeah. than this yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. or something. Well, according like to that. the algorithm, you know, yeah, yeah. viewers like this. I mean, to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> that they would do that, and they would just like hand the filmmakers yeah. and be like, "You can't go this just dark. Just make sure it's you can't have a shot longer stuff. than fifteen seconds. Uh, you no. gotta make sure you cut this scene in this amount of time." Speaking of beautiful scenes, I really like that scene when Martha is meeting her cousin at the mm-hmm. train station, yeah. and then they're on that spinny thing, and then like all of a sudden she's like, oh, are my heels scuffed? Mm-hmm. I hope they're not scuffed. These are my church shoes. And at first you think, oh, man, she's, you know, she's working class. She wants to keep her, her shoes clean because maybe this is her only pair of my shoes. But then you go, you realize later on, you're like, oh, it's just she's trying to hide from her mom and dad. Mm-hmm. So that way they don't go like, where'd you scuff your shoes? That way they're not always on to her. Right. It's the hiding the masks we have to wear in society. Keep up the looks, you know. Yeah, I mean, well, the thing is that their clothes is very, the way they dress is very important to them. And so, yeah, I mean, like the standard things, you use your clothes to show a part of your personality. Yeah. And who you are. And when you go to these blues parties, you can you want to show off a little bit. Oh man, the costumes, good. man! Yeah. I love it. That's why I was asking you. There's no Adidas track suits, right? Even though I wanted there to be, because in Babylon, if you guys watch that one, <laughs> um, everybody's rocking a clean Adidas track suit. All right, and uh, but just the costumes, though, the hats, the Rastafarian hats, the little fedoras, mm-hmm. you know, the women's dresses. You know, I really felt like. Um, it just brought you back into that time, even though I've met, I don't think like this is a time before me, obviously, and this is obviously. in England. I'm, I'm like looking around in England, and I'm like, I've never been to England. I should go to England because of this movie. You know, yeah. it it does a really good job of like taking you back somewhere, specifically with the costumes and like how like working class people, you know, they still have the will and the money to like be like, I'm gonna put myself together and I'm gonna look good for this one night. Of hope, you know. Exactly.
artist. He was like, a video he was artist. Making videos Art, in the nineties, yeah. um, and they would usually just play in museums. Yeah, he's that type of director. Yeah, and then you can sort of tell when he moves to Hunger, it's very much an, I hate the term art house movie. Uh, yeah, I but guess so, yeah. It's, uh, it's a movie that moves at a slower pace than people are uh, used to. <laughs> you could call it, mm -hmm. like, like people would usually refer to it as a, like a festival movie. They're kind of, mm -hmm. movies that are about dark subjects, they're a mm -hmm. bit slower paced, they're darker in their subject matter. And, <laughs> yeah. Mostly what I mean is that they wouldn't be great for public consumption. Maybe yeah, slowly they're moving true. away from that sort of approach yeah. to something that's slightly more commercial. Not that that's yeah. a bad thing, not yeah, for him, especially, especially with Widows, which was like a very, tra not traditional, but a very genre. It was, a, yeah, genre crime drama. Movie. Yeah, crime drama, crime highest drama. drama. I mean, but Colin Farrell's in it, you know? Yeah. You got, you got the Farrell in it, man. Not only that, Robert Duvall. Yeah, he's in there, that's on. right. Um, but with Widows, he moved on to a place where he can sort of take his style and approach to stories and stories, yeah. sort of take on a genre. There has, yeah, there, there has been a growth in his movies, yeah. you know. You go from like Hunger, Shame, 12 Years a Slave, Widows. I mean, the last two, like 12 Years a Slave and Widows, it's very genre, you know, and it is more geared toward like public consumption you know i could see them taking off you know with a bigger mm -hmm. audience but i mean shame and hunger though i mean those are real i think it was a really good starting point for him you know i think it was yeah. a real like good kickoff you know you know a lot of people like it sense a lot of people sort of don't like them because of those first two movies those are just such good movies though man i really like them too but people feel like they're sort of you know pretentious distance close yeah. off i disagree yeah, yeah definitely um especially shame when you watch shame now i haven't seen it since it's released but like mm -hmm. when i think of shame i'm like man this movie is like not only would it not get made now but it also feels like you could only make that movie in that space and time considering now what we know about like sex addiction what we know about like our view on internet pornography you know and like what the downsides of it can do and like how how detached humanity is now uh, from each other, not only because of the pandemic, but also because of social media. Even before the pandemic, like social media was like just eroding our fabric of humanity. And I think Shane really does a good job of like showing a character that's disconnected mm -hmm. and is trying to find like his happiness and like his sex addiction, you know? And I just feel like our society now it's pretty much like Michael Fassbender and Shame. Both <laughs> and social media. Both social media. Bad, you know, just like garbage thinking. You know, we're obsessed with all these things that should not matter, you know. And we're kind of just like going with the flow of emotions just to get our daily fix of like whatever euphoria, euphoria we're looking for, you know. I think um, I was watching Lady Set in the Middle Ages a few days ago and I was just thinking how hard life was, there, was for them. <laughs> No yeah, water. Jesus. You were constantly dehydrated, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you were poor, obviously, not if you were like king or queen or something. But I was thinking in contrast of how we live now, which where things are much easier for us at least. We have water, we have food, we have shelter. Yeah. At the same time, life is still not easy. Mentally. It's very weird. It's like it's we. Moved, it's, it's like. Go ahead. It's moved into a place where. Um, what we need isn't physical anymore. Like we're not, we're not starving. 
yeah. you don't need shelter. The basics are covered. But there's something mentally that is very damaged and broken. I agree. Somehow, I mean, like I'm, I'm just yeah. bullshitting, but no, it I, just no, I know what you're saying. Seems though. like most of our unhappiness, our existential despair, comes from something that is in our heads, is in the way that society has structured itself to make us feel like just being us, just existing, mm -hmm. is not enough. It's, we constantly have to fight for everything we have. That is true. It's kind of like in Lovers Rock, where people are just like sort of going with the daily emotions and it's just this one night that they want to break away from them and hopefully they can find that happiness. Yeah, we, we still do that now. I mean, we still do we that We look now. for those small... I guess it's like modern times problems. Yeah. There's a very specific alienation that we're all feeling, yeah. I think. Alienation, that's a great word. Yeah. I think that would be a great word to sum up like Steve McQueen's like work, in my opinion. Like his so, characters are alienated. I mean, obviously in 12 Years a Slave, I mean... The main character is like alienated from his family and he's like taken away to his freedom. That's such a horrific movie, man. Yeah. It gives me chills thinking about it, but oof. Yeah. Great movie though. Great movie. Watch it's it. a great movie, yeah. yeah. I mean we were still dealing with racism all over the world now. Yeah. It's been almost two not almost two hundred years, but I mean it's been a very long time since yeah. that happened and there's still these people who have Confederate flags and are proud of waving them. Yeah. It's just, it's beyond me. Man, yeah. Well, anyway, Lover's Rock, to sum it up, would you watch it? Yes. I've only seen it three times. Watched it three times. You know what that means? It's just a great you've movie to throw on. You haven't seen it three times like Boris, okay? Three I just times too less. No, yeah, I've seen That's it. That's like um, four episodes of your original. <laughs> Oh God! Here we go. Okay. Here, movies are dead. Whatever. No, yeah, no. Boris just summed it up perfectly. Watch it three times because that's the equivalent of three episodes. There's a lot of episodes. small details that you miss the first time. The first time you watch it, yeah, you pick up, and they're not like big, they're all like Easter eggs, like you would see in like a Easter eggs, bro. Some weird TV show, but they're just small character details yeah. that fill out the world they live in. And how I think they are. just like life now is just full of Easter eggs. Like yeah. we've taken that whole gamer mentality easter egg and you're like what's your easter egg bro yeah it's like always trying to like, solve a mystery or something it's just like just take things for what they are yeah most times no yeah i would say watch it guys watch all of them small acts you're not gonna regret it i mean it's awesome to see steve mcqueen putting out work like this very refreshing um i would say watch it enjoy it watch it multiple times if you're in the cinematography editing sound design Check it out. And also, the soundtrack, amazing. I would recommend it. Are there any other uh, movies like this you would recommend? Um, like I said, Evie Deloney. Yeah. Colleen's Evie Deloney. Rob yeah. Garnis Brothers. Yeah. Babylon. Babylon. Yeah. What else can we think of? Uh, Dazed and Confused. Sorry. Dazed and Confused. I forgot about that one. Oh, man. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, like, that's a modern soundtrack, a hangout movie. A hangout movie. It's not a movie. It's just a hangout, man. Relax. All right, all right, all right. Yes, really. Good impression. <laughs> no, yeah. If you have any suggestions, guys, hit us up. Let us know any um, cool movies you see that are like this one or want us to review. Hit us up at the movies are dead at gmail at gmail.com gmail or Instagram or Twitter. On the Insta. That's right. 
No TikTok house for us, unfortunately, guys. We're just here in a lonely place with a fireplace that's not on. All right. All well, right, anyways, guys. thank you for joining us for another episode of Movies Are Dead. They're dead. <laughs>